0: Welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with Brett Ramsey from Artisan Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we help retirees as well as those who are considering retirement overcome generic wealth management advice that limits your future. We do this by handcrafting customized financial strategies centered on your unique lifestyle jump on board for this journey where we delve into strategies that can help make your money outlast you as Brett draws from years of experience with guest experts to eliminate cookie cutter saving strategies.
1: Welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with your host Brett Ramsey where we talk about what you want in retirement and how to make it happen. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hey Brett, how are you? Well,
2: Wendy, I am having a great day.
1: Oh, that's always good to hear.
2: Every day where I get a nice grilled buffalo chicken salad for lunch is a good day.
1: It's the simple little things in life, isn't it, Brett?
2: It is, and I can't really explain that to people, but that was such a shift in mindset for me of uh, just what to eat. And so when I've simplified my life as I try to eat a salad every day at lunch.
1: There you go. And
2: when I get a really good one, it makes me happy.
1: Oh, well, I'm so glad that you're going to... Uh, come into all of our day and make us happier for it.
2: <laughs> well, I think that is the key here. And, and our topic for today is one that that I think is is not so much about happiness, but about optimization. It's one of my favorite words. I like to optimize things, right? And so um, I, I I was trying to think of a way to explain this to people because well, we're going to talk about a game today. We're going to talk about a simple kids game. We're talking about tic-tac-toe right? And a tic-tac-toe board and how to use that as a framework for making financial decisions. But the thing that, uh, I was thinking of though, and it just hit me was, you remember the Rubik's cube?
1: Oh yes.
2: Right. And so the trick to the Rubik's cube was how do we figure out all six sides at the same time? Right. Did you ever solve I can, it? Uh, not without taking it apart. now. <laughs>
1: I I I got one side. I only ever got one side. I could get the
2: one side. I could get two sides and and all that's great. But the reality was that I never really quite figured out how to get all six sides solved at the same time. Right. And I think that that's a a really simple, but a great analogy for life, right. (laughs) Is that, you know, we can maybe get one side, right. I got, I got the blue, right? But then I'm going to go work on the red. And then when I work on the red, I mess up the blue, right? right, And like, and so I think that so many of us are experiencing that and um, in all different facets of our lives, right? Whether it's just the financial side of our life or the health side or the relationships, we can, we kind of get one thing sorted out, but we kind of mess up something else in the process or we mix it up or we don't, you know, have it quite, Right. And, um, you know, the engineer in me that used to be happened to me a lot. So, when I was first starting out in my career, I worked for a large company and I was in design engineering, which meant we were trying to figure out how to build stuff. And so, we were working on a new product and we were trying to figure out how to build the new product. And so, one of the things when you're doing that is you're trying to figure out how to solve a lot of different aspects of building that new product all at the same time. And the fancy word that we use for that is is a designed experiment where we could move different factors and then test our results and figure out which ones of these factors were the most important and had the most impact and how do we put them together. And then, like I said, we would put them into a model and we would optimize it so that we could find the right solution to the problem. And, And oftentimes I find myself doing that uh, almost unconsciously now, because it was trained into me as an engineer and that's part of my background. But what I find when I'm communicating with what I call normal minded humans, which I don't believe engineers are really normal minded <laughs> is they don't think like a puzzle and they don't think like, uh, I'm solving all six sides at once. Uh, I use a phrase that most people kind of think in a line, they think linearly, right. They think if I do this, then I do that. Then I do this. And really, when we're talking about retirement planning and we're talking about retirement income planning in particular and helping people solve this puzzle, it isn't linear. It isn't just one thing in a straight line. It's a series of interacting things, things that impact each other. And we have to figure out how to what I call kind of solve them all at the same time as they're moving right? Because they're not stationary. The information that we had last time is different now because something's changed in that person's life. And um, so how do we constantly mix it up where we're getting all of it lined up quite right. And then it gets mixed up again and we got to realign it. And so really today's topic is about trying to help people think through what I call kind of the three big ideas that you got to think through in order to handle your retirement correctly right? So that's why I want to talk about a tic-tac-toe board, right? Because I think people can think very simply in groups of threes. So if you're listening out there, hopefully you're driving your car and you want to do this little exercise at home, get out a sheet of paper and draw a big tic-tac-toe board. Okay. And across the top, right? There's going to be three ideas that are going to go down the left-hand side. So the first one is when, Right. When do I need the money? So okay. in the upper left-hand corner of our tic-tac-toe board on that top line, I put the numbers one to five. And that means in the next one to five years, do I need that money? Okay. Right. How much of it do I need? So let's just go through this and say, all right, so Wendy, you're not retired, but let's say you're thinking about buying a car. All right. And you know that I want to buy a car in three years. And you know that that car is going to cost you $30,000. So that money is needed in the next three years. And we're going to treat it differently than money that I'm going to need six to 10 years from now, which is the middle box. Or 11 plus years from now, which is the far right-hand side of the top line. So across that top line is one to five, six to 10, and 11 plus years. And to keep it super simple is like, would you do the same things with your money if you needed it three years from now as if you needed it 13 years from now?
1: No, of course not.
2: Of course not, because they don't have the same purpose. They're they're needed at different times. But what I find so fascinating is that when I talk to people about investing their retirement money, they start talking about things like risks and volatility and mutual funds and exchange refunds. I say, no, 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 no when do you need it? Because if I don't know when, then I don't know where it should go and I sure shoot and don't know how I should invest it. So that middle row of our tic-tac-toe, bo- um, tic-tac-toe board is where, and there's only three places that money can be in this world. It can either be in a taxable account, which is the middle left-hand side. The middle of our tic-tac-toe board is tax deferred Or it can be in a tax-free account, which is the third box on that row. So if I know when and now I know where, then I can start to figure things out. And people go, what do you mean by that? I go, well, how many of you now work for an employer that's encouraging you to use a health savings account? And then most people now, when I talk to them, they're aware of that. They may not be using it, but they've heard of it now. Right. I said, okay, well, what is a tax savings, uh, a health savings account? And they go, well, it's a place where I I put money for medical. I'm like, no, it's a tax-free growth account. The money inside of it is not taxed. And we get a tax benefit for putting it in. So it's like a double whammy awesomeness right? Get a tax deduction for putting it in and it grows tax-free as long as we use it towards healthcare. A couple other caveats that we can get into, but that helps people understand what I mean by, okay, where would I put my money first? Not a trick question. Do you want it taxable, tax-deferred, or tax-free? Tax-free. Tax-free. Right. I told you, it's not a trick question. (laughs) And so the problem is if we know that, then we don't, it simplifies the concept of, Okay, where do I put my money? Which which account do I put it in? You got to know is it taxable, tax deferred, tax-free? Well, when do I need it? Because there's rules around the tax-deferred and tax-free. So once again, back to if I'm buying a car, do I put my car money in a tax-free account? No, I can't get at it in three years. That doesn't, that the now money doesn't go there, right? So if I know when I need it, then I can figure out where I should put it. And the money that I need now needs to stay in the taxable category. Money that I need later, I want it to grow tax-deferred or tax-free, preferably, whichever one I can get. And there are limits on how much I can put in, but those are you know, how I should think about it, right? And so everybody's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then I'm like, all right, then why aren't you doing it that way? I think we're all afraid of losing our money. <laughs> We're all afraid of something, right? right. And usually it's because we don't know, like, because we, I, I can't tell you how many people don't really know what a Roth is or a health savings account. So there's a lack of knowledge sometimes, right? And that lack of knowledge creates uncertainty and uncertainty creates risk and angsty stuff and makes my stomach go blah, blah, blah. And I don't like it, right? So the whole point here is we've got to educate ourselves a little bit on what these different tools are, but we need to use the right tool for the right time, okay? right? Then that bottom line is the one where everybody starts to get really, really uncomfortable. Which is okay. Now we know when we need the money. We even know where we would like to put it. But Brett, how do we actually invest it? So that last count, that last row is how, right? And what I try to tell people is, money is not nearly as complicated as you think it is. Yes, right? it is. No, it's not. It's super simple, right? When I make <laughs> when I make an investment, right? Uh, what I try to tell people is, there's really only kind of really three categories of investments, right? We have cash, right? Then we own something that's a stock, that's ownership, that's equity, or we lend our money out that's debt and other people are borrowing our money. So that's bonds and other similar things to that, right? There's not that many things, right? Now they're packaged up differently and they've got all kinds of different names and there's all kinds of questions around that stuff but back to, it's really not as complicated as we want to make it. And then each one of those things that we can put our money into has an ability for us to get our money back out of it. And based on how hard or easy that is, um, oftentimes dictates what I call is the volatility of the price of the thing our money is in. And I'm going to go through those words again, volatility, How much the price of the thing I'm buying or investing in changes day to day. Okay. So if I have low volatility stuff, right? That's my bottom left-hand corner of my tic-tac-toe board, right? Means simply that what? The price doesn't change much. Now, if I were to tell you that something is low volatility, would you expect it to have a high rate of return or a low rate of return? Low rate lower rate of return, right? Because you're taking what? Less risk. Those are the fancy words that we use, right? Right. But then if I have a high level of volatility, which is the opposite corner of my tic-tac-toe board there on that row, what am I expecting? High returns. Higher returns. And then there's some stuff in the middle, right? So there's low volatility, middle volatility, high volatility. I like those words so much better than conservative and aggressive. Okay. Right. Because conservative and aggressive aren't math words, right? They're emotionally loaded words, right? That convey an emotion and a feeling about your money that to be honest, doesn't serve you very well to say, Ooh, I'm conservative. Okay. What does that even mean? right? We had that conversation with one of our experts, uh, you know, in one of our last episodes where we were talking about these things. And I don't know what that means, but I do know if I know how much money you need and when you need it, I know where it should go in terms of what accounts it should be in. And then I can start to put it into the types of investments that are going to do that for you correctly. Right. And so if I knew that I, back to our car example, I knew that I needed money in the next three years to buy a car. Where would I put it in the taxable account Because I can't take advantage of the tax savings because of, of age and timeline stuff. And where would I have it? Would I have it in low volatility or high volatility investments? I don't know. Low volatility because you know, you need it. Okay right? And so if you knew you needed something, like I know I need to eat, right? Um, I don't want the seeds to still be out in the garden. (laughs) I want the tomatoes. I want the stuff to be in the salad, right? I don't want it still growing. So what I try to tell people is if what we need things to grow, right? Over time. So I need some things that are going to be higher in volatility because historically they've paid us better right they have higher returns over time but they don't necessarily have higher returns over short periods of time okay but over longer periods of time so the stuff that's riskier if we use that word once again i prefer higher volatility where do i want it i want it in the money that i need later so that would be in my tax deferred and my tax free accounts for later does that so make if- sense
1: Yes. But I'm wondering, is that a psychological term to use volatility over risk?
2: <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a psychological term. It's actually the mathematical measurement of how much the price moves. Okay. Right? It's and it a doesn't math.
1: sound as scary as risk. Right.
2: right. And so that's what I'm trying to tell people is that we got to get away from the emotionally loaded words, right? To understand what that really means to my math, right? So Let's take this back to a simple discussion around retirement. Like if I meet a typical husband and wife in their, in their late fifties, maybe early sixties. And they come to me and they ask the same question all the time. They ask, and I always don't know why they always lead with this is when can we retire? I go, I don't know. And they go, but that's what we're coming to you for. I'm like, no, you're coming to me to help you figure out when you want to retire. And can you retire when you want to. And so I'm going to help you figure that out. But first we got to figure out how much money are you going to need and when will you need it? And most people just, that they freeze on that very question right there. I don't know. I said, great. Well, let's work on that. So I always give them the same starting point as I said, go and give me all of the last three months of your checking account and your credit card transactions. And they go, why? I said, because that tells me how you're living now shows me how much you're spending and it gives me a baseline for how much money you're going to need per month to continue living the way you're currently living. And then they go, oh, well, but I want to do this. I said, okay, that's fine. Because in retirement, you can live bigger, you can live smaller, you can live different, but at least we now have a baseline of how much is required to live the way you're living now. And okay. Everybody's like, oh, okay. So let's just keep it simple. And let's say that we come out and that number is $7,500 per month. And I'm like, okay, so we're going to need $7,500 per month. Are we going to need $7,500 per month every single month for now for the next 30 years? And they're like going, I don't know. I said, you're right. You don't because we need to now factor in things like inflation. It starts to get more complicated. You see where I'm going with this, right? But if we can get it down to where we know that it's $7,500 a month now, right? That gives us a starting point. Yeah. Then we can say, okay, so now I can figure out the when part of my equation because I have a place to start. And then they can ask me their what if questions, which is what they always want to know. Well, we were thinking about maybe that we we're going to do this and whatever it is, maybe oh, we want to go on an extra vacation or, Hey, we want to, you know, buy a place in Florida or, Hey, we're thinking about doing this with our family, all million different what ifs. And that's where I say, that's why it has to be handcrafted, right? Is that everybody's story is different. Everybody has a starting point, but then everybody has their story that moves them on to something that needs to be unique for them, right? That's their personal story. And that's how we build up the when, right? We start putting the the things that are important to them when we think that's going to happen. Okay, that means we're going to need a little bit more money in this year, or we might need a little bit less in this year. Oh, the house is going to get paid off here. That's going to change this. Or, oh, we're going to downsize. We're going to sell all these things that the other episodes talk about here in Handcrafting Your Retirement uh, mm-hmm. factor in. But it all starts with understanding when. Mm-hmm then I can look at what they have. And so if they're younger and and we're starting to work uh, a lot more with younger um, clients who are typically the children, grandchildren of our other clients, and they're, they're accumulating their wealth. And so we're, we're putting it in, we're not taking it out. Right. But when we start taking it out, most of the time our clients come to us and they only have like a few years to change the, where the money is going to be right? That's kind of happened over the last 30 to 40 years of their life. And where their money is is kind of where it is now, right? Now we can tweak it, we can optimize it a little bit, but normally we know where it is. And once again, most of the people that we're working at, big chunk of that money is is right in the tax deferred category, which is that middle box on the tic-tac-toe board, right? Why is it there? It's because that's where your 401ks and your pensions and all of the things that you've been using to grow your wealth over the last 30 or 40 years, that's where they sit, right there. Now, some people will have some taxable assets and sometimes that's sizable, sometimes it's not. And sometimes we're going to have clients that have tax-free assets and those are going to be in Roth or or health savings accounts. Now, with some of the people that are still working, like I said, we're trying to get them to grow those tax-free assets and put them in there more. But most of the time, what we're talking about is, okay, we got this big chunk of money in this tax deferred category. What do we do with it? How do we turn that into the $7,500 a month of income that we need, Brett? It's mm-hmm. a great question. So then we have to then go down to that bottom layer. And so let's just keep this math simple. I don't, it's a, you know, this is a podcast. This isn't something where we're all going to have our calculators popping out there. But so we're trying to get that $7,500 a month. And, and there's always some other sources of income that are going to come in. Typically, there's some social security, both husband and wife, things like that. So normally we get it down to, okay, our, our portfolio, our investment's going to need to throw off three, four, five thousand $5,000 a month. Okay, great. We know that now. Then down there at that bottom layer, when we're starting to figure out the, where do we put these investments, that lower volatility, does it need all of my money? No, it just needs enough money to get me through the next, what, one to five years of income because that's that first box. So Wendy, if I knew, if I could tell you with almost complete mathematical certainty that I knew where your check was going to come from for the next five years, would you be so worried about the volatile stuff anymore? Not really. Right. Because you don't have to worry about the volatile stuff. You know, it's volatile. You know that it's there. Why not for today? It's there for later. Right. But what's happened so much is because we get so emotional with these words, we don't break down this math, right? We don't figure out, okay, I need 3,000, 4,000, $5,000 a month. Ooh here's how much I have in taxable assets. Here's how much I have in tax deferred. Oh, that's going to have to come from my tax deferred account. Great. How do I then break down that investment so that I know exactly what that account needs to be invested in to accomplish my $3,000 a month, $4,000 a month, whatever that is. That is what retirement income planning is all about. And we make it so darn hard for people because we can't get down to the number because we won't do the simple but hard work of figuring out what do I really need so instead we throw it in a blender and try to act like everything's fine but the reality is it's not because then we're going to accidentally have to sell the stuff that's volatile in order to give them that check this month because we don't have a plan because we didn't know exactly where it was coming from that's the problem so when I tell people is I can put your entire financial life in a tic-tac-toe board I mean it Every kind of math, every kind of financial decision I can put in the when, the where, and the how categories, right? Whether it's an insurance question or anything, but that gives me that framework. It gives me that way of not trying to solve all six sides of the Rubik's cube at once, right? I can on one sheet of paper, start to pull together and look at very specifically these, these different choices that I need to make and how they interact with one another. And so that's, it's really been of all the things that I've ever done in my life. It's always, I've like said, but this is my little simple brain. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the, uh, I think it's a Geico commercial where there's a caveman. and He's always talking about, you know, I, I'm a caveman. I'm not a very complicated man. And so right. I needed a tic-tac-toe board to, to help kind of smooth out these decisions for my clients and help them think through how to make the choices. So that's the, that's the tic-tac-toe game. Um, and, I, I, you know, we're going to talk through a couple of different scenarios here of how to use it for different age people. But I just love the simplicity of trying to get all of your your thoughts all onto one page and in, and in a framework that really helps you think about it.
1: So if we couldn't solve the Rubik's Cube, we're not doomed, is what you're, you're
2: saying. You're not, nor do you need an expert that could, right? Okay. What you need, though, is you do need to optimize. And uh, so often, like I said, I'm going to give you a couple of different scenarios here. I see people only trying to look at one side of this equation. So the big aha for me is you can't only solve one part of the tic-tac-toe board at a time. You have to kind of solve them all at the same time together, right? And so um, where I see mistakes made, and let's go through that because I do think that's kind of important, is I see people that get overly focused on only the tax piece right? Like it's so, once again, taxes, it's so like, ah, like, um, it's like, I don't ever want to pay taxes. And you know, like, okay, well, if you make money, you're going to pay taxes.
1: You got it. Okay.
2: We can argue over how much and all those kinds of things. But what I try to tell people is, so if you have money and you make money, you're going to pay taxes. Question is, how do we pay as little taxes as we have to, in order to get the money that we need to live on? That's what we're trying to optimize,
1: mm.
2: but people will put overly concentrate their money in, in one tax category. It's not uncommon for me to meet people that have two, a half, three million a half, $3 million, all tax deferred and no taxable assets. So every time they need to take money out, it's a taxable event. And then they won't take it out because they're like, oh, I don't want to pay the taxes on it. And I'm like, well, what's it for if it's not to live? Right, right. Well, yeah, but I'm like, so what are we saving it for? Why is it here? So we have to break down some of these emotional words. But once again, I'm a big fan of having a, a diverse tax strategy. And what I mean by that is trying to spread it out across the tic-tac-toe board. We need some taxable assets. We need some tax deferred assets. We need some tax free assets. So one of the strategies that we're utilizing right now, where we're really implementing this tic-tac-toe board approach to retirement with our clients is helping them understand this time between when they retire and when they have to start taking what are called required minimum distributions from their IRA accounts. So these are one of the hot topics today, right? Of You can go RMDs, go search that in Google, and you're going to find a million different articles on it. Well, what we're finding is that it's, There's, once again, no perfect answer of how to, but what we can do is if you don't have any money in the tax-free category, we can actually convert some of that tax-deferred money to tax-free. We just have to pay the taxes now. Mm. And that sounds great. A lot of people are very excited about this, but they don't know how to do it or they think it's all or nothing. And so we're using a strategy with our clients now where we're looking at their tax return every year in the fall and determining how much money could they do that with convert from tax deferred to tax free and keep themselves in their current tax bracket or move them up one tax bracket and not more. And then what would that, for lack of a better term, what would that cost them in current taxation, right? Because if we're, we don't want to move to higher tax brackets because in every extra dollar of income we take, then we are giving more of that money away in taxation. So that's one example that we, that we see all the time where people are just overloaded in one category. And then because of that, they really have a hard time making decisions because they're, they're so worried about taxes that they can't think about the other stuff that's important to them. Right. So we see that all the time in our practice where people are just really nervous about taxation and it freezes them from making good, smart money decisions that they would normally make if they optimized across the whole tic-tac-toe board at once, instead of only focusing on one level of the tic-tac-toe board, right? Can you
1: tell me how the, um, the, the transfer of from tax deferred to taxable, uh, kicks up your, um, level of taxation. Yeah. So when I, I have a,
2: an account that's tax deferred, like an IRA account or a 401k account, And I take a distribution out of it. So I take some of the money out. Once again, we're gonna keep it simple. I took $5,000 out. I'm gonna get a 1099 at the end of the year that said I took $5,000 out. That 1099 is now taxable income to me. And depending on what other taxable income I had will determine what my overall tax level is. So what happens is people don't think about that, right? Because then, you know, once again, when we're working, all that comes out as we're taking our paycheck, so that's a great question, Wendy, because most people just don't understand the mechanics of how to actually distribute money from their accounts. Now, if I was taking money out of an account that was not tax deferred, that was just a taxable account, well, I take that money out. I don't have to do anything special because it was already getting taxed, right? So I don't. There's no extra like reporting necessary. So right. if I took five thousand dollars out of my checking account and moved it over to my credit card bill. I don't get taxed on that $5,000. Well, people think of their checking account and savings accounts different than they might think of a brokerage account or an investment account that just happens to be in a taxable status. They're kind of the same to the IRS. You're going to get a 1099 on dividends and interest. If you buy or sell something for a gain or a loss, you're going to get documentation on that. But we you know, once again, that that's not increasing my income level because I I moved money from that account over to my checking account so I could pay my rent or pay my mortgage or whatever it is. But when I take it out of that IRA account or that 401k account, that's different. That's income now. And then that's why having money in that tax-free category down there in either a health savings account or a Roth can be such a powerful tool later on because that money's invested in growing tax-free. And when I take it out, I don't have to pay more taxes, right? (laughs) And the other thing is on that on the Roth in particular and the HSA, I don't have any what are called required and minimum distributions, whereas I get older, the government says, hey, you got to take some of that money out now so that we can get our tax money because we haven't gotten our tax money yet. So that that's why it's so important for us to optimize across that. Once again, if I don't know when you need the money, I don't know how much of that I should be pushing into which category at which time. And so that's why when is so darn important. That's why it's always our first question. Okay. But then what we see after that though, is then people that I call, they get locked up by the third line of the tic-tac-toe board. That bottom line just freezes people because they get so emotional about the price changes on their investments. And people are like, as they get older, they go, Oh, I'm older. So I'm supposed to be more conservative. Right. And I said, maybe. And they go, what do you mean? Maybe I'm like, well, how old are you really? And I think, you know, one of our episodes, we talked about um, our clients taking what we call a halo, which was the health and longevity optimization assessment, where we utilize some science to help figure out what your expected life expectancy is, your life expectancy. It's so crucial here, right? Because if you're retiring in your early 60s and your life expectancy is 86 to 89, okay, that's 25 to 30 years. Right. Is that now or is that later? Mm-hmm. It's a little of both, right? We've got some now money that we need, but we got some later money as well. And what happens is people put all of their money in stuff that is low volatility. Uh
1: huh.
2: And they, don't think about the risk that is inflation and the fact that their money is going to need to be larger in the future to buy the same stuff that they buy today. And I can't tell you the number of good intentioned people that I meet who don't have enough wealth to live a 30-year life earning a 25 or 3% return on their money. But they're too worried about losing it Because they don't really understand what risks they're even taking to appropriately distribute their money into the right investment vehicles for what they're trying to accomplish right they 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 put all in one thing that they think is low risk oh i can't lose it Mm -hmm. yeah but you are you're losing every day when you do that and they go what do you mean i said last year what was the inflation rate in the united states and they don't know and i said well it was like six percent last year on average let's say give or take a little bit, how much did you earn in that completely low volatile, quote unquote, safe investment that you made? It wasn't six. Yeah. So what happened to your ability to buy stuff today? It went down mathematically for sure. Yeah. Right. So what we got to do is blend that risk out with some of the other risks. Like I'm not sitting here trying to tell people, Oh yeah, let's put all of our money in the highest risk possible thing we could put it in with the most volatility. No, no, no. That's, that's stupid. But what it does have to do is it has to be balanced, right? It has to be appropriate for both the now money and the later money, because the later money has to grow at a rate higher than inflation, or it can't buy for you what it buys for you today. So you're absolutely losing if you do that. And that's so hard sometimes for us, because I'm not trying to once again, twist people's arms to do things that they're not comfortable with. That has not what we're trying to get out here in this conversation. We're trying to do is what I call alignment and assignment. Like all of your money's not needed now. Let's put the now money where it belongs. And then let's put the later money where it belongs. And if the later money, if we can get tax advantages for it, mm, that's even better, right? Because now it gets even better for lack of a better term, it gets relatively bigger, even more, right? Because I tell people, is not a trick question. If I earned 6% rate of return in a taxable account, a tax deferred account, or a tax free account, which one of those is best for me? Oh, Brett, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Tax free always is the right answer, Wendy,
1: because
2: <laughs> you get to keep more of the
1: money. Right, that makes so, sense. Now that you say that,
2: it's always the right answer. I promise okay. you. If I'm Not asking a, a question, question, if uh, if I'm asking a question and there are three choices and one of them has the word tax free in it, it's always the right answer.
1: There we go. Right,
2: because it's going to make you wealthier to have more tax free money. Right, because it doesn't matter what you invested in. Once again, doesn't matter what the rate of return is. That one wins every time. And so, like I'm trying to tell people is, if we can just understand your when then we're going to get our where right more often than not. And then we can get the how right as well. And when, when people see this on a whiteboard and we draw it out for them in person, they, they go, Oh, no. and then they, they literally like in their own mind, cause I got like magic markers in my whiteboard and everything. They start picking up the magic markers and they start moving this stuff around. And my wife hates it because I say tic-tac-toe because she always wants to draw things in diagonals. I'm like, no, no, it's not diagonal. It's vertical, right? We're yeah. only winning our tic-tac-toe game in in one direction. It's always uh, in, in those rows. But like when people see that and it just simplifies it for them. And so like today's purpose is to not tell all the answers to all of life's you know mystical finance questions, but to give you a framework so that you can sit there and when you're facing that puzzle right? And you're a little bit frustrated about how do I get all of it to line up right? If I start with when do I need the money, then I can put it in the right place, the tax category. I can take it out of the correct place, the tax category. And then I can make investments with my resources correctly based on those other two things. And so it's, it's, you, you, it's the when, the where, and then the how. And, and so you do need to think through them from the top of the, the tic-tac-toe board down. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, but once again, if, if I do that, I'm going to be like, oh, this is where it goes.
1: Yeah. Makes more sense now.
2: It's so simple. And that's why, like, I, I just, I like trying to take these super complex things and put them in a framework that makes it easy for people to understand. And like I said, when, where, how three by three tic-tac-toe board, draw it and when you're faced with a complex decision just start there and it'll simplify itself because you'll be like oh okay this is where it should go
1: so you win at tic tac toe and you win at life
2: and you have a and you have a very confident retirement because you're yeah. not losing sleep over stuff that isn't impacting you now if i could just give my clients some people try to use the word sleep insurance or whatever peace of mind i hate all those words I like the word confidence. If you know where the money's coming from for your retirement for the next three years and you know that, then what are you worried about tomorrow if the markets are up or down a couple of percentage points? It doesn't matter to you tomorrow, Mm -hmm. right? But frankly, it's never really going to matter to you that much as long as you're appropriately aligned and we're not taking too much out, right? Like once again, that's if you're going to take too much out, there's really no math for that. Um, that math always loses. And so that's where we have to help people back to that question I get, which is when 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 can I retire? I got to know how much you're going to take out. Once I figure that out, then
1: I can get a lot more accurate on the when. So, Brett, for um, people that have more questions about this game of tic-tac-toe, how do they get in touch with you?
2: Well, you should always start at our website. ArtisanWealthStrategies.com is a great starting point on there. You can click on on my link. We've got uh, links to my calendar where you can get in there and ask me questions and um, read some of our white papers and listen to our podcast. But com is the starting
1: point. All right. Thank you, Brett. And thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell.
0: Thank you for listening to Handcrafting Your Retirement. Visit our website at www.artisanwealthstrategies.com or give us a call at 317-660-2855. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Artisan Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC.